back to On the Mic with Mike Peters. My guest this week is Harrisburg comedian Manny Santiago, the boy in the A Boy in His Fridge podcast. Manny started doing stand-up with Mike O'Donnell more than a decade ago, and now they help run shows at the Harrisburg Comedy Zone. Manny's a co-host of the Falls Count Anywhere podcast, too, with Brandon Youngblood. We talked a lot about wrestling. His goal is to convert people into wrestling fans just so he can talk to more people about wrestling. Worked on me. I had a blast talking to him. Please like, share, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Sign up for the Patreon. It's five bucks a month. You can also follow Homebrewed Comedy on Facebook or go to homebrewedcomedy.com to see all of my show dates. Thanks again. I'll talk to you guys next week. Take care. Wings off I'm peeling back my sunburnt skin. I'll wait outside your bedroom. I, I hope they let me in. I don't think I've interviewed anybody while they're in their car. Oh, well, hey, I'm glad to be here first. <laughs> I'm right. I'm in the uh, in a Rudders parking lot right now. So <laughs> Rudders. So you're in Harrisburg, right? Uh, yeah. Well, right now I'm like a little bit outside of Harrisburg. But, oh, okay. But yeah. First time I ever went to a Rudders. It might be the only one I've ever been to is one. I think it's in York. Uh, it's right off the highway in 81 or 80, 83 rather. Okay. And yeah, I just, I would go there and it took me forever to actually go inside of it and order something. And Why? Were you scared? <laughs> <laughs> I probably should have been. No, I, <laughs> I just, uh, I used to work in Maryland. So if I come, came to visit my parents or family, I would drive, try to go late at night. So, mm. you know, it'd be like two o'clock in the morning and I'd stop to get gas and break up the trip. But I don't think I ever like, cause you can, they've got made to order stuff there too. Right. Yeah, yeah, it's like MTO, all that stuff. Yeah. yeah, and I didn't know about that. Like, I grew up on sheets. You know, when I, yeah. I used to work in Lock Haven, Pennsylvania, and I had to do a lot of stuff in the West, so I'd be in Altoona. So I knew sheets as the made-to-order place. Yeah, I, it's the spot, dude. Yeah, and then <laughs> I stumbled into a Wawa, and I had no idea there was anything but those two. Yeah, yeah, Rudders. I feel like Rudders is a little. Uh... It's a little under underappreciated as far as like, you know, gas station <laughs> gourmet meals go. <laughs> uh, that big debate that's, you know, I feel like it's just like a east, a northeast coast thing, you know, where people are talking about, oh, hey, this is my favorite gas station to get food from. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's a very strange argument that's that's had. <laughs> yeah. Do you have a side? Are you a Wawa guy or a Sheets guy or Rudders? I'm just whatever's most convenient for me yeah. at the time, you know, <laughs> like I have no stake in any, any of these companies. So <laughs> I don't give a shit. They were all completely brand new to me when I moved to Lock Haven in 2005. And yeah. then my editor, he said, I had to cover something in Altoona. And he goes, you have to stop there because that's <laughs> like the birthplace of sheets and it's huge. And he goes, like, I'm going to fire you. If you don't stop at sheets, and I'm like, all right. And it was great, but like, so are delis. And yeah. 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 You know, it's nothing, it's very convenient and it's great for that. But I'm like, I don't know, maybe if I had a sheets next door, I would still go there, but I don't think I'd opt to like, I don't know. I'm go there about, as, as yeah, your like, meal. <laughs> like I'm a Taco Bell guy. Like, yeah, I, yeah. I love it, but I'm like, Taco Bell is way ahead of sheets for what I want. Yeah. Know? But sheets yeah. to break up a trip fantastic yeah i did i did get uh two tacos at rudders and uh i would not recommend doing that <laughs> i wouldn't ever get mexican food at a gas station i don't i honestly like i i knew it was gonna be trash and i still got it anyway i don't know why i was like oh yeah you know what i'll just do tacos and i got empanadas too and the empanada was actually pretty good but the tacos were just not they weren't anything <laughs> silly question what's an empanada i always go back to the jim gaffigan bit about like you know all mexican food is the same but what's the empanada it's like a it's like a like a fried tortilla but it's like uh has like meat and sometimes cheese in it they they like smash smush it together it's kind of like a uh hispanic hot pocket you know okay. what i mean and <laughs> they're really sense. good i love them now it makes sense why i went to jim gaffigan yeah <laughs> yeah he's at the hot pocket bit yeah it's, he still does that as an encore which is so incredible because everybody's heard the bit and like yeah 
he's got this like 10 minute bit in his back pocket. He's like, all right, I got to go back out there and do it. It's one of my dreams to write a bit that good to where that people, people ask his fucking, yeah. yeah. Like it, it happened. I was in college when that happened and I haven't been in college for like the age of a college freshman. I mean, it, yeah. it's like incredible that that has such staying power. Yeah. Yeah. It's wild. I can never, I can never imagine. I mean, I guess that's not true. I could imagine like some, some of my jokes where I would want to do like, Oh, I love this joke so much. You know, if, if ever I had that opportunity to do like an encore or whatever, like after a set, like I would do that joke or whatever, or it would probably just be in my set in general. Cause I don't have, you know, Jim Gaff and Gin, you know, worth of material to have, you know, but like, I don't know. I, I feel like having uh like something like that, it would get old after a while. You yeah. know what I mean? It's just like, oh, I got to do the fucking Hot Pocket thing again, I guess. I, I guess I'll go out there and, you know, dance for these people for a little bit. But at ticket prices at like $80? Yeah. I, think, I yeah. think I dance a little bit. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> See, I don't, I don't think like that because right now my ticket prices are either like 10 bucks or free. So. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And that's there split too. between like seven other comics. <laughs> you know? I'm a big ska fan, like punk rock ska right. and... and I book a lot of shows and until I started booking shows and asking for a budget from the bar and doing comedy in general, I didn't think about like the door split. Like, yeah. So like if you have a band with like five or six people, all that money goes six directions. Yeah. That sounds awful. <laughs> yeah. Especially if you don't make a lot at the door too. It's just right. like, well, here's six bucks, <laughs> you know, <laughs> <laughs> split that six ways. <laughs> You've been doing stand-up for what, 10 years or so? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, me, me and, uh, you know, Mike uh, yeah, O'Donnell, okay. I, uh, me and him actually, we started together. I mean, I had done it a couple times before, but it was never like at like a, like a club or anything or even at a bar or whatever. I just did like, like, I, I think the first time I did stand-up, it was at my church. Like I used to go to church when I was younger, like in high school and stuff. And they were like, hey, we're doing this open mic night. And I was like, oh, open mic. That's where people do stand-up. So I did stand. It was awful. It was the worst. Like I expected, you know, it's oh, this is just a church. They're going to be, you know, nice and and supportive regardless. You know what I mean? They have to be. That's what God tells them to be. <laughs> um, and uh, they weren't very supportive at all. It was uh, it was bad. <laughs> um, but yeah, then uh, I found out the the Comedy Zone uh, in Harrisburg that they were doing open mics on Thursdays. And uh, me and Mike, we used to play online video like uh, Call of Duty and stuff together on Xbox. And one night I was just like, hey, man, yeah, I'm going to go try and do this open mic. You want to do it with me? And he was like, yeah, I mean, I think I'm funny enough. So, you know, we both like sat at a Taco Bell, actually, um, <laughs> and wrote down like all of our jokes. And we did it, you know, the, the next Thursday. And uh, he took to it a little bit more than I did at first. Like he, he was going like every week. But like when I started, I mean, I don't know if you were the same, but like I couldn't fathom like what it took to do stand up like week after week. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Because I was like, oh, I have to uh, I have to do different material every single time. So I was like, and I don't have enough time. Like that's a week. I can't I can't write new material in a week. It took me, you know, years to write this fucking the material I did last time. So, um, but now of course I know it's like, Oh no, it's, you just, you know, you're just doing material just to get it in your mind or whatever for shows. It's crazy because it took me a long time, maybe a year where I yeah. was like, you know, maybe bring this joke back the next week too. Yeah. Yeah. Work on it a little bit. And I'll look back at my notes now and there's still, I mean, I've only been doing it six years, but there mm. are still bits where I'm like, Oh, I did this once and just forgot about it. Yeah, so like, yeah. Like, let me try this. And, you know, I'm theoretically a, a six year better writer. And yeah. I'm like, let me let me retool it. And it works. And I'm like, oh, OK, yeah. I have to doctor it. But like, yeah, it works. And I'm like, oh, my God, I I have this material that I forgot I had. And I forgot this entire story. Mm -hmm. it's, yeah, it's, that, I mean, I'm the same way. I mean, that's why I will tell everybody never throw away your notes. Yeah. You have yeah. No I mean, I still, I still do one of the first jokes I ever wrote. I mean, and it was one of the, it was a situation like that where I had not done it in a while. And I was like, Oh, you know what? Let me go back into like some of my older material now with my like, you know, more seasoned, you know, comedy brain or whatever, and see if I can, you know, rework some of that material and do it again. And, you know, like I do this joke now and it's fucking, it's one of my favorite jokes. And I've literally been telling it since 
that first night at the at the comedy zone and it, and it works every time so it's awesome i love when stuff like that happens <laughs> yeah you said mike took to it a little more than you did at first yeah had mike not been doing stand-up too do you think you'd have given up on it or i'm wondering if that if there was like a a camaraderie or a competition between you two that kind of helped not you really i mean i I think I think Mike seeing Mike do it like more and more made me want to do it more. You know what I mean? Just because I was like, man, he's he's really taken to this, and I want to. But I, at the time, I was also this is going to sound weird, but I was a uh, professional juggler. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, I, no, that's okay. Everyone laughs. laughs. It's a very silly thing to to say, <laughs> but I I had like a career like as a juggler, and it was kind of like. You know, I was kind of uh, taking stock in which direction I really wanted to go for a while. And I did do a lot as a juggler. Like, you know, I, I did shows like I was I was paid to be a juggler for a right. very long time. And it was actually uh, I went to Miami for a couple months, a couple years ago, like maybe 2016 or 2017. And while I was down there, we were doing like street performing and like, you know, all these other like, you know, paid gigs and stuff with juggling. And while I was down there, I was like, oh, there's open mics down here. Maybe I'll go try out and do some stand up and see if, you know, see if I can I can make these people laugh down here because it was the furthest I'd ever been from home. So I was like, you know, if I can make these people laugh, maybe I can actually do stand up. Um, And I went to some open mics and I was I killed them. I was like, oh, shit, this is awesome. Maybe I should do stand up. Um, and then I stopped juggling and I was like, all right, let me, let me try and pursue stand up a little bit more. So when I came back from Miami, I was like, I'm going to be stand up and no more juggling. Do you <laughs> um, juggle at all anymore? I, I do. I, it's, it's, uh, it's more so for fun now. You know what I mean? Like that was another thing. Like I got into juggling because it was really fun and I have like ADHD. So like, it was, it was like a perfect, like, you know, you have to be focused on, you know, right. what you're doing because, you know it turned into like, once I started, you know, getting paid gigs and like, once I started getting like residencies, so to say, uh, as, as a juggler in shows, um, it started feeling like work and it took like the fun out of it for me. And it was like, Oh, I got to go practice today. Or I got to, you know what I mean? I got to go do this. Yeah. I go, you know, do the show that I don't want to do. I got to go do fucking, uh, I used to do five shows a day, six days a week at uh, Hershey park. I was in a, a, a stage show there. But now that like I don't do it for work, uh, I can just do it, you know, casually. Like, oh yeah, like I can still do this, and now it's fun again. But yeah, that's that's. I, so I still to answer your question. Yeah, I still do juggle. <laughs> it's so funny. Like I can't juggle. Like I tried. Yeah. I have no idea where to start. I could probably watch a YouTube video and maybe pick up something. But mm. I don't mean to laugh. But it's like it's such a skill that yeah. like obviously people are paid to do this. There are yeah. jugglers that you watch and they're paid. I just never think about that aspect of it. I'm like, there's somebody doing five or six shows a day juggling. Like, yeah, it was rough. How did you get there? So I had, I'd always been like into like entertainment and performing and stuff ever since I I was a little kid. I love doing like, you know, school shows, like musicals and plays and all that. And I got a job. It was actually at Hershey Park as a uh, costume character. I was one of the giant like chocolate bars or whatever. Yeah. And while I was doing that job, there was a guy there who like on our breaks, on our like off time, he had this like bag that he would always bring with them. And he had like juggling stuff in there. And he would always, you know, take out some balls and start juggling them. And I was like, man, that's pretty cool. Like, I want to learn how to do that. And I picked them up like, you know, I actually used his. I was like, oh, I like learned on his and stuff. And then, you know, I, it just kind of like took off from there. Like I ended up getting my first gig through that guy. We did like a little duo act for a little bit. And then um, he started doing like more and more like juggling shows. And I just kind of like followed in his footsteps for a while until like I kind of like broke away and did like sort of my own kind of stuff. But yeah, it was it, it's very it's, it's a really weird like thing to like get into. <laughs> But it's really fun. Like I, I, like I said, I still love juggling to this day. It's it's one of my favorite things. How many things can you juggle at one time? What's your record? Uh, well, I can do five balls. That, at least that was the last. Uh, and I, I, you know, you always say, "Oh yeah, I juggle yeah, balls," yeah. and everyone yeah. always laughs. And I say, oh, you juggle balls. But yeah, I can do five balls. Uh, I can do four clubs, and then like I do other stuff like the rollabola. I don't know if you know. It's like a like a little cylinder, and then there's like a wooden plank on it. And like you like balance on it, like you know, um, okay. I, I juggle on that. 
but I, I I could flash six and flash is just like you throw six balls up and you you catch them all. Oh, God. You don't really like juggle them. But yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of technical stuff to it, dude. That it's it, a lot of people don't really get. You know, they just think, oh, juggling. You just like a clown that you know juggles right. like three balls or, or scarves or whatever. Bowling but there's pins. there's a lot. Yeah, yeah, bowling pins. That's what they always say. They never call them the right name, and it's <laughs> it's very annoying. And it's one of those things that as a juggler, you kind of have to get over really quickly. <laughs> <laughs> it's like we don't know the jargon, the commoners. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, it, and it and it sucks because like you know, especially when we were street performing in Miami, like we would do. Uh, I mean, like my, the, the dude I was juggling with my partner, he was a lot better than I was. Like he could do like seven balls. He could do like five clubs, uh, on a rollerball, on a unicycle, like all this like cool, like flashy shit. And like, we would pass together. We'd be, you know, passing like eight clubs, like, you know, all this high number shit. And like, people would just walk by and wouldn't care, you oh, know? God. But I think it made me a, a better comic, uh, if anything. <laughs> what? Just people ignoring you? Yeah, you yeah. Just, just, <laughs> just being able to, just, and 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 that, and you know, being able to like talk to just random people. Like I do a lot of crowd work now, like in my standup, and mm-hmm. I think like you know those all, all that time, you know, street performing and like trying to like draw an audience. It kind of helps with like me being comfortable and like you know just talking to just random people. You know what I mean? <laughs> How long did it take you to develop the crowd work aspect when you started doing comedy? It took me a while, actually. Like I would, I would try crowd work, and uh, you know, it would be one of those things where someone would say something, and I just don't know what to say. So, and and that happened for a while, and so I had to like keep forcing myself to like do more crowd work because I would, I like doing crowd work, especially when it works. I, I think it's fucking, it's my favorite part of comedy because I think to an audience it looks like oh shit, this guy is coming up with everything off the top of his head. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like he's great at this. So w- when I started, I was not good at it. So then I started having like, uh, I forget what the, the proper term for it, but it's like um, jokes that you can kind of lead people into. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, oh, I have a joke about uh, smoking weed. So let me try and lead this person into that joke a little bit. And that kind of helped me out with the whole crowd work thing. And then also like, you know, like I said, pulling from, you know, street performing and like doing shows where, you have to sort of draw a crowd that, that definitely like helped a lot. <laughs> and now it's like, I'd love doing crowd work. It's one of my favorite parts of doing standup. I mean, it, it pads your set like nothing else. It's especially good if, if like the audience isn't really feeling your jokes, you know what I mean? You could like, I've had sets before where I tell like three jokes and like, they don't really land. So it's like, all right, well, let me, let me just like talk to the audience because you know, you break that like fourth wall or whatever and like, you know, I feel like people are more inclined to, I don't know, like laugh and enjoy themselves. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's like a dumb thing for me to do. But I, don't know. I always have fun with it. And I, I think that's the big thing. Like a lot of people see crowd work as like, you know, uh, it's like such a daunting thing. But if you're having fun with it and the audience sees that you're having fun, like I think it, it'll it'll all work out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Sorry if I'm talking too much. No, <laughs> it's your episode. <laughs> Nobody wants to hear me. No, I think that's one of the benefits of doing crowd work is like people see that you're in the moment, you're having fun. Yeah. So yeah. they're going to have fun too. And if it doesn't work, big deal. He didn't plan that. Yeah, so yeah. It took a shot. And that's what I tell people too. Like I'm getting more comfortable doing crowd work. And and I was right. always so regimented. Okay, well, I have to do these jokes even the wording has to be precise. And mm. I laid off of that. And I'm like, okay, yeah, just be in the moment more. And now I'm doing a little more crowd work. And what I like about doing that is that you'll have an instance where the moment you share with somebody is so strong and you're like, oh, you know what? Maybe I can bring that moment, just make a joke out of that and bring mm-hmm. that with me. And now, like I've added two or three jokes that I'm thinking of right now where it was all from an interaction with an audience member. Yeah, yeah. I was talking to an audience this one time, and this one person said, "And that joke kills." Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the same thing. I wouldn't have gotten that if I didn't say, "Who here celebrates their cat's birthday?" You know, Mm -hmm. something like that. And you're like, "Oh, you don't? Why?" I mean, it's the easiest thing to do when you like you break it down, ask a question, and then ask why. Yeah. Okay. And I think, I think podcasting helps a lot too. Podcasting does help. And it's like just let them do your work for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, I, I do this thing where if I don't have anything, like I'll like feign, like being angry at the audience member, you know what I mean? Like I'll, I'll sort of like blame them for not 
you yeah. know, giving me anything good. And that usually gets a, a laugh too, because the audience is all, ah, like he's, you know, he's making fun of this guy for being an idiot or whatever. <laughs> uh, it's, it's fun. I, I, I love it. I mean, it's, it's to the point now where, you know, I, I go up on stage with like, you know, I, I mean, I have my sets and stuff like that, but like I can deviate from my sets like crazy. You know what I mean? Like I've, I've gotten good enough at like sort of feeling out an audience to see where I can go. You know what I mean? Like I always have the same starting point and the same ending point, but it's everything in the middle is kind of just like, all right, let's see, let's see what's going to happen here. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I have jokes that I maybe want to try out or maybe want to do or whatever. It's all material that I know, but like, it's, you know, it's shit that like, you know, you're just feeling out a crowd, you know, it's, it's, I, I love doing stand up, and that's one of my favorite things to do is like go up with very like loose, like set. Because if you're not so like, okay, I have to do this joke, this joke, this joke, this joke in that order, like you seem a little bit uh, less robotic when you're, you know, you're, you're loose with it. You're like, okay, I, I haven't done this joke after this joke. So let me try that and see what happens there. You know what I mean? Yeah. I remember when I started, I, I watched Dimitri Martin so much. Oh, I love Dimitri. He's great, but yeah. he's got this monotone kind of, it, it's a monotone-ish cadence. Mm. And I wanted to do something like that. So like I wouldn't even let myself laugh on stage. Yeah. And yeah. I had a show a couple of weeks ago where the set went so well and I was just in it. And I was like just shaking my head and laughing at myself and yeah. the audience. And and I just felt so good. And yeah. I'm like, I'm thinking five years ago, six years ago, this is a completely different person. I think all that is just like easing up and like let's just yeah. relax a little bit and have fun. Yeah. I mean, and if you look like you're having fun on stage, like the audience is going to have fun. You know what I mean? Yep. Like I always tell like newer comics too, that I was like, oh, hey, like, you know, does this joke work or whatever? Does this joke work? Or like, can you listen to this joke or whatever? I always tell them like, I can listen to all your material and I can give you like advice on like what might work. But at the end of the day, you're the one that has to make everything work. You know what I mean? Like I, I always go up on stage with like the theory of like, um, my jokes aren't funny. I'm just a likable person. Yep. And I think I can convey that to an audience well enough that like they wouldn't care at, you know, to, as to whether I told the funniest joke ever or not. They just like me. So they, they feel more inclined to laugh at whatever I say. You know what I mean? So I always tell like newer comics, just, just focus on getting an audience to like you. And then, you know, everything else will come <laughs> after that. I had a guy today, because uh, I host an open mic, and we've got a lot of new yeah. comedians, and I had a guy today say, man, comedy's hard. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> it's really yeah. hard. And I said, yeah. Like, he's like, yeah, like you guys are hard to make laugh. I go, you've got some good material, but like, you just, you're new. It's supposed to suck right now. Yeah, yeah. Get on stage, find who you are, relax, and things will come. Just keep working at it. And yeah. I- I remember being, and I still am to an extent, like so impatient about getting mm-hmm. booked on a show or getting this crowd to like me. I'm like, I'll never figure it out. And like, you'd implode. And you're like, yeah. And if I go back in time, be like, hey, man, relax a little bit. Like, you're just figuring it out. Because like, I think yeah. everybody gets on stage and see, you know, Demetri Martin do so well. And you're like, oh, I can do that. I can write that joke. Yeah. That's fine. That's easy. And then they get on stage like, oh, wait, it's. It's kind of harder. It's kind yeah, of harder. It's, it's 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 a different beast when you actually do it. It's it's insane. And I mean, I was the same way when I started out in, in stand up, where I was like, you know, I can I can make audiences laugh. You know what I mean? Like I can I'm good enough. And like I would have older comics tell me like, well, no, you're not. You're you're just not there yet. Like you don't have you know the confidence, the comfortability. You know what I mean? Like you're not relaxed enough on stage. Like I was very stiff when I started doing stand up. Yep. But even then, I was like so stubborn too that when they would say that, it's like. Dude, I know, I know I'm not stiff. I'm fucking, I'm having fun. You know what I mean? Like, like I'm comfortable up there. Like, but I, I didn't really like understand what that really meant until, you know, actually just like a couple of years ago when I was, and it was like a light bulb moment where it's like, oh, I get it now. Like I, I, I can be this comfortable, like just me, just me and you like talking right now. Yep. Like I can do, I can be that on stage. I mean, a little bit exaggerated, of course, cause you know, you're performing in front of an audience, but like. I don't know. It's it's it was definitely like one of those uh, hard lessons early on in stand up that like I really had to learn was you know just like just calm down you know relax just have fun doing stand up. It's not like that big of a deal. I mean, at the end of the day, you're going up on stage. 
and you're telling dick jokes to an, a drunk audience mostly you know what i mean so it's 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 not the end of the world if it goes bad or or if it goes you know whatever <laughs> you mentioned the podcast too yeah boy in his fridge you were a boy yeah i'm the boy <laughs> <laughs> like you and mike have done this and you guys are are you still roommates yeah yeah okay so i mean you said okay well it, it clicked a couple years ago you guys started this podcast in i think 2019 is that the correlation? I mean, like, were you doing the podcast? You're like, oh, wait, no, I can take some of this stuff, this energy on the podcast and take it to the stage. Um, it was, I think, uh, like I said before, like, honestly, for me, the the big, like, clicking moment for me was was when I was doing mics in Miami. It was like, you know, because for whatever, I, I think it was because, like, I hadn't, I didn't know anyone there. And I, I had, it, if I did bad, who gives a shit? Like, yeah. none of these people know who I am. So I went up on those mics and stuff. And I was, I was like a different energy than I'd, I'd been previously. And it was like a more comfortable, more relaxed energy. And like, as soon as I started doing well, doing like sets like that, that's when it started making a little bit more sense. And then, you know, podcasting, I would say though, definitely did help just like, you know, being able to like, just talk, you know what I mean? Which is, you know, something I try and do you know, like with crowd work and stuff like that, like you're able to like hold a conversation on stage and make it a little bit funny. Sometimes if it's not funny, I mean, even that can be funny too. You know what I mean? So I think podcasting for me, it definitely helps like, you know, be more comfortable on stage um, somehow. I don't know. I don't know how that correlates, but it definitely works. (laughs) I just think you're talking more. And yeah, for me, I don't take a lot of bits that I create on a podcast and take it to stage usually. But what yeah. I do do is, uh, what I do do is, uh, I know, I know. I, just, <laughs> I, know, I know you're trying to skip I, over that. <laughs> I tried, I tried not to say doo doo twice. But look at that, I did it three times. <laughs> what I've done is, I will remember a story from a long time ago. I'm trying to relate to you, and oh, here's a story there, and then I tell it, and I'm like, oh wait, I haven't done that on stage, or yeah. I haven't done it in a long time. So I'm like, oh, okay. So I'll mark that as you know, do it later. And yeah, we'll see what works. I mean, I did something last night where I'm like, oh, yeah, I just resurrected it, took it on stage. And because I recorded in the afternoon, did the mic at night. And I'm like, oh, that has legs to it. So I can do yeah, it. Yeah. So that, that's where podcasting has really helped me. And obviously, you know, I'm having a lot of people all over the country on the podcast. So networking, that helps too. But mm. as far as stand-up, that's where it really has helped. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. It's, 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 a, it's an invaluable tool. I know a lot of people are like, oh, well, every comic has a podcast. You know, why should I listen to yours? It's like, I don't care if you're listening to me. I'm mainly doing podcasting for myself. Like I want, I want to get better at, you know, at that standup and, and podcasting 100% helps with that. You know what I mean? Even if no one's listening to the fucking, you know, the shit that me and Mike have or like the wrestling podcast I have or whatever, it doesn't matter. All that matters to me is like, I'm getting more comfortable in front of a mic you know, I'm getting more comfortable talking. I'm getting more comfortable, you know, just coming up with shit off the top of your head. You know what I mean? Because like doing podcasts, you, you want it to be entertaining. So you're always trying to like, like at least with me and Mike, we're always just trying to like bounce off of each other and like, you know, just riff together, like, you know, doing the podcast. And uh, and it really helps. It does really help like a lot. <laughs> That's Falls Count Anywhere is the other podcast, right? Yeah, yeah. Falls Count Anywhere. I, there was a, a friend of mine. He was like, hey, I was looking for your podcast and I couldn't find it. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, uh, the wrestling podcast. And I was like, oh, yeah, Falls Count Anywhere. He's like, well, yeah, I, I didn't know that that was the name of it. And I was like, I, I say it all the time. Yeah. And he goes, the reason I didn't know it was the name is because I always thought you were saying false gods anywhere. Really? And <laughs> yeah. I was like, why the fuck would I have a podcast called False Gods Anywhere? He's <laughs> <laughs> like, I was looking at it for the longest time and I could not find it. <laughs> I'm good for him for admitting it, but (laughs) what'd that be about? I guess like failed deities. Yeah, I guess, I guess it'd be a very, uh, like theological sort of podcast where you're talking about, you know, all the different kinds of gods and religions or something. I have no idea. (laughs) So I haven't listened to that podcast yet, but is that wrestling just currently, or do you guys go back in like the eighties and nineties and two thousands? Well, I mean, like the name says, it's anywhere. So it's like, I mean, we talk about any, all eras of wrestling, pretty much. Um, a lot of times we don't even talk about wrestling. <laughs> uh, I mean, we, we always do tie every conversation back to wrestling. But I mean, you know, like we had an episode 
where probably like a good 20 minutes of it, we were talking about like our favorite sitcoms, you know what I mean? Um, and then we took it to uh, uh, The Rock has a TV show on NBC called Young Rock. So yeah. we would we would bring it back to that, but like we would, I mean, we diverge like all the time. So I always tell people like it's a good like if you're not a wrestling fan or if you're like a laps fan that were you were a wrestling fan back in like the Attitude Era or whatever, or even before that, and uh, you want a good like sort of like jumping off point. Like I feel like our wrestling podcast is a good you know jumping off point because we're not we 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 try and cater to you know an audience that you know sometimes for the most part wouldn't necessarily be wrestling fans coming into it um and our goal is to at least make one new wrestling thing because we love wrestling too yeah. i mean wrestling is fucking awesome i mean as a as a performer like i appreciate wrestling like pro wrestling so much it's it's insane <laughs> my girlfriend is a wrestling fan yeah <laughs> like, it's weird i'm not okay so i am but i you look up, like a wrestling fan i, was, I know i, was I know say I, that right now. <laughs> I look like a brewer as well let me shave and then I'll get back to you. But no, like I grew up on the 80s and 90s stuff. Nice. And I, I have the network. I will watch that stuff quite often. I mean, I'm right now uh, watching 1995, no, 93 Raws. Okay. Like 94. when they started Raw? Yeah, because that's what nice. I watched when I was a kid. I, I remember yeah. watching at whatever it was, 7 or 8 o'clock at night, or maybe at 9, but... Like, I remember watching those matches. So I go back to my childhood. She just picked it up a few years ago. And uh-huh. so she's like all into like Sami Zayn's her favorite. And Nice. Yeah, he's right. a ska guy. He's a very ska exactly. influence. And she is more ska than anybody I've ever met. So <laughs> we just, in fact, we, for her birthday, WWE came to Binghamton and uh-huh. it was a Sunday. So I got her ticket. So I went for the first time since I was like, 10 i went to yeah. the arena in binghamton to watch wrestling and was it your first live show like no that you... it, my third because oh, okay she had an extra ticket to see smackdown in philadelphia in like september so i saw nice. that knew nothing about it really nothing yeah. about it and this time i knew a little bit more just from what i've seen on facebook really but i'm, I'm watching with her and she's telling me all about this i'm like oh yeah i remember when Hercules did that. She's like, yeah. <laughs> like, all right, fair enough. But yeah, I, I loved it when I was a kid and yeah. I do, you're right. Like it, there's such a performative aspect to it that you really do appreciate more, not only when you're a comedian, but when you're an adult and you're like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Like, it sure. hurts when I get out of my car sometimes. Like, yeah. Yeah. I don't now know imagine walk. getting thrown into a car. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Some of those old ones, and I missed it. Like, I stopped watching wrestling probably about 95, 96. Oh, wow. Right. That's, well, that's crazy. Usually, that's the time where people got into wrestling because yeah. that's when it started, like, yep. taking off. Or but I, I was made fun of a lot in middle school for liking wrestling. So uh, I was like, fine, you won. I won't watch wrestling anymore. And, like, a year later, everybody's like, you should watch wrestling. I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> like, like this is a trick you're, you're not gonna get me you guys time. all made fun of me <laughs> and then stone cold steve austin shirts came around yep. and the rock and i'm like i have no idea what i should be smelling but it was just <laughs> really weird and i have no idea what this guy's cooking yeah <laughs> and i'm i'm working as a journalist in maryland and i've got guys who are a little younger than me a little older than me who are just talking about wrestling and i'm like what is happening like yeah. i really yeah. thought it was like four 10 and 11 year olds yeah, it's. It, I mean, that's the thing with wrestling is that everyone always says it's like, oh, it's just like a kids thing. But like, there is wrestling that's geared more towards children, especially now in 2022, since it's so easy to like access like wrestling. Yeah. Um, there's you can find wrestling for any sort of taste you have. Like for you know more like adult like hardcore like type wrestling, there's like you know some Japan promotions that do like crazy stuff that like you know like I mean I've seen matches where it's like you know uh like a a, a dude versus a mop <laughs> uh, <laughs> i've seen matches where you know it's like five dudes like you know in a barbed wire cage that's exploding and shit it's it's so cool like that's one of the things i love about wrestling is like it could be anything you know what i mean and it's so much fun it's it's just especially going to live shows like i love going to live shows i love bringing people too that like don't usually you know, our, our uh, typical wrestling fans, I love bringing them to live shows because they always leave 
with like a different sort of like, you know, uh, opinion of it. And it's always like super positive, like, damn, dude, like, I don't understand what's going on, but those guys are like killing themselves and it's yeah. insane. <laughs> yeah. Who's your favorite wrestler of all time? Uh, well, that's a, that's a tough one because I have a lot. One of my favorite performers to watch wrestling is Ric Flair. Like I've always yeah. loved Rick. I mean, you know, his, his character was so good and, uh, he was like a really good technical wrestler and I really enjoyed that. And then of course, like stone cold and the rock, like I love, I love the rock, like the rock when I was younger, that was my guy. You know what I mean? It changes too, as, as time goes by, I mean, because you know, the standard for wrestling now is a lot different than what it was, you know, back in the eighties or in the nineties or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So how different it is. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot of guys now that are way better than anyone back then. I mean, I would say, you know, Bret Hart, his style, it still holds up as like a a pretty clean style. Um, And it's still like a style that people wrestle to this day. You know, Owen Hart was the same. Owen Hart was actually like ahead of his time. Bret Hart's my favorite. And that was my era. But Owen Hart as the Blue Blazer. Yeah. And if you go back and watch like 1987, 88, those Survivor Series and SummerSlams, the stuff Owen Hart was doing off the turnbuckle, the ropes, was crazy because nobody really was doing that. Yep. Yeah. And and like I said, I mean, that style like now is like common. You know what I mean? Like the style that Owen Hart was wrestling back then is like the style that, you know, is the most exciting right now, you know? It's like very like lucha influence, but like with like a lot of like you know Greco Roman, you know catches catch can wrestling involved too. It's like it's he was a total package that Owen Hart. The weird part for me when I go back and watch the '80s stuff to now is like Owen Hart. He was so much thicker mm-hmm. than like you couldn't see his abs at yeah. that point. I'm like I don't know if he'd fit in today. Like yeah. the nutrition and the diets are so much better. Everybody's so cut. It's like yeah. That, that would be the, like I mentioned Hercules. His body type might work today, but yeah, a guy like Owen Hart, I don't know. Vince McMahon probably got to lose weight, pal. You know, yeah, like. well, I mean, well, that's that's a good thing about like you know newer promotions like uh, like AEW and like you know some of those like like TNA Impact and and some of those other ones that aren't so like you have to fit this certain mold or else you're not a wrestler. Like Vince McMahon, he came from a background of of like bodybuilding and stuff. Yeah. So of course, you know, he wants to have these big muscly, big muscly men just like, you know, slapping meat or whatever. Hey, who um, <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well like, you know, there's, there's other promotions that do, you know, they, they cater more to like a, the little guy, you know what I mean? You know, the Ray Mysterios of the world and all that. Yeah. Um, and I love those. That, that's, you know, like I said, wrestling is, it's so like dense in like, you know, what it has to offer to everyone. I, I I wish there was more fans of wrestling just so I could have more people to talk about it with. Um, My favorite event forever has been the Royal Rumble. Oh yeah. It's it's one of the best. That's the only one where I've watched all of them. And like I had the network and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to just binge them all and go for it. And that was my first introduction to Rey Mysterio. And I was like, holy fuck. Is he fast and small and awesome? Like, I'm like, how is he? Yeah, and the only guy I think from my era who can compare to him was One Two Three Kid, X Pac. Like oh yeah, Sean yep. Waltman. Where I'm like, he was doing that stuff, like because he debuted on the Raws. Raw, you know. yeah, the first and, Raw. Yep, and you're like, holy shit, he's doing, I mean, just crazy moves that yeah. nobody really did. I think like maybe Dynamite Kid from the British Bulldogs a long time ago. Yeah. He was doing high-flying stuff too. And the Rockers, Marty Jannetty and Shawn Michaels. Yep. But to be as slight as Shawn Waltman was and to do all those moves, yeah. I don't know if... I mean, there's probably somebody between him and Rey Mysterio, but can't be too many people. No, I mean, yeah. Like, like back then, there wasn't a lot of guys that were doing that, you know, that sort of stuff. Because it, it, it was a lot. And it, I mean, even today, it's like, you know, the people that do that, that like the older guys in wrestling are always like, well, you can't wrestle that style forever. You know what I mean? Like you have to have a more like practical style. That's not, you know, you're, you're doing all these backflips and like, you know, twisting your body up and all that stuff and landing like super crazy, but there's still, I mean, there's guys that are even crazier now that wrestle style that, you know, that they've been told like a lot that, you know, you can't do that forever. You know what I mean? Cause it's going to start taking its toll on your body, but these guys, they, they just don't care. <laughs> No, I mean, I, I went back and I watched the Mick Foley and The Rock, that chair shot 
episode. Oh yeah. Or, or Dude. Episode. But like he was like what eleven times, thirteen times in the head with a chair. Yeah. And you're like, yeah. Well, he's gonna pay for that later. Yeah. It's uh, they actually stopped doing that with the uh, the unprotected headshots, which is good. Yeah. Um, it took a very long time for that to happen, but uh, there's enough guys that had CTE that they had to be like, all right, maybe we should stop hitting these people in the head with chairs. Yeah, these <laughs> families are actually disappearing. We should yeah. probably stop <laughs> letting this happen. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, a lot of problems here that uh, we uh, we kind of did not see. <laughs> I had this question asked recently. I think it might have been my girlfriend asked. I should probably remember her. But are there a lot more wrestling fans in the comedy community than you thought there'd be? Yeah, one hundred percent. It was it was weird because I wasn't like I was I was sort of a laps fan. You know, like I was into it like in high school and mm-hmm. in middle school and stuff. And then I kind of like fell off of it, like towards the end of my high school, because, you know, everyone was like, oh, that's so stupid or whatever. Yeah. Like, I honestly, I thought I was the only one that watched wrestling in like my whole high school or whatever, because no one was really talking about, you know, what happened on Raw or what happened on SmackDown other than me and my brothers. Like me and my brothers would watch it all the time. But I, yeah, I stopped watching it for a while. And then, you know, like when I started doing stand up, I started noticing that like, it seemed like there was more wrestling fans. And then... There was this mic we used to go to in Lancaster at the, the old uh, the Chameleon Club. Yeah. It was down in the Lizard Lounge. And in the beginning, like when everyone was signing up, they would have a TV on. And it was on Monday nights, so they would have Raw playing. And we would just watch Raw. For, like We would watch like the first like half hour of Raw every Monday. And it, it was fun, you know what I mean? Because you had all these comics just kind of like watching like, oh, look at this. Look at Roman Reigns doing this crazy right. thing. Oh, look at this guy. Oh. And it made me want to like get back into it. And like, you know, so I think actually comedy is what got me back into wrestling, uh, which is kind of funny because, you know, now like all my friends who watch wrestling are comics. So, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I don't, I don't think I have any friends outside of comedy who watch it. At least I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I have like two or three. (laughs) Yeah. I have a couple guys in my fantasy baseball. We, we work together at the newspaper, like them, but like, I don't know, man, I, when I was, I shedded a lot of those like, like friends I had in middle school. Cause they made fun of me for watching wrestling. But yeah. It's crazy. I don't know. I, I liked it. I, I don't, I, I could see myself get back into it eventually, but I don't think I could, I don't think I could ever go full bore into watching the wrestling. Now I'm saying, man, now's the time to get back into it. Like there's a lot of like cool stuff happening. Like I, like we say it on false count anywhere a lot. Like, it's a really good time right now to be a wrestling fan. There's a lot of like really, really talented wrestlers right now in every promotion. And there's the access to wrestling is way more than what, you know, we had when we were kids. Like now you can, you can watch, you know, wrestling every night of the week and it'll be a live show every night of the week. Or you can go into like archives of like, you know, new Japan wrestling or like, uh, you know, ROH or like impact or, you know, now AEW, AEW is a great new uh, wrestling promotion that everyone loves. I mean, it's a perfect, you know, uh, getting back into wrestling sort of promotion to get into. Um, and then you have the WWE, of course, which, right. you know, people are sort of jaded towards now. But, you know, it's it's still, you know, it's it's WWE. Like, it's what everyone thinks of when you think wrestling. So <laughs> I'm curious, like the AEW, like, I wonder if that's reminiscent from when, like, the WCW was there and yeah. WWF at the time. But, like, yeah. I wonder, like, because I was brand loyal and I wasn't going to watch Ric Flair in WCW. Like, I didn't I didn't know yeah. any of those guys. And I feel stupid now knowing that so many of the guys I watched in WrestleMania 4 and 5 were in the other promotion. Yeah. And, like, I yeah. could have liked those guys wearing a different uniform or outfit, whatever yeah. you want to call it. But it's like, yeah. like I was a dumb kid thinking, oh, no, I got to stay loyal to this one. And, mm-hmm. like, thankfully, Bret Hart never moved until I was done. So yeah, like, oh, I yeah. Got my I mean, it, guy. yeah. Well, that's a, that's a good thing about wrestling now is is because there is not so much that like loyalty. I mean, some wrestling fans are still like that, where it's like I'll only watch WWE or I'll only watch AEW or whatever. But like I said, now since there's so much access and it's like easier to watch this stuff, like there's none of that real. Like now, when you see a wrestler going to another promotion, you're like, oh shit! Like I remember Cody Rhodes from you know. Uh, New Japan and ROH and AEW and now he's back in WWE and and this is cool. It's like you know, it's like the the multiverse with Marvel and all that. Yeah, it's like seeing you know Tobey Maguire Spider Man and fucking you know what I mean, the new Spider Man. It's like whoa, this is crazy. I felt so old when we were at that 
Sunday Stunner, I think that's what it's called. And uh-huh. <laughs> they're playing highlights. And I'm like, oh, who's that? And I look at, and my girlfriend's like, oh, that's Ted DiBiase Jr. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I remember his dad. Yeah, <laughs> like, and, is he is he still a million dollar man or uh is he, his, son his dad was less, I, don't, I have no idea but like, he's a five hundred thousand dollar man <laughs> yeah. but like i think the highlight they were playing it was like in an intermission or something and it was him and cody Rhodes, i mm. think and i was like oh man i'm so old that i remember watching as a kid i probably ordered the pay-per-view when dustin Rhodes was wrestling ted dibiase senior yeah i guess i'm like yeah. oh, i'm that old to where yeah. those wrestlers are retired yeah well for, i think both years. of them are dead actually <laughs> no no ted dbs is alive is and he oh yeah yeah he dusty, was just dustin is still alive dustin yeah dustin yeah. is still alive uh he's a, he's actually in AEW now wrestling as i mean he's he's not gold dust anymore he's just like some weird guy <laughs> I think paints he his face was. <laughs> yeah yeah it's so funny. I just I never knew all that stuff was like. I know that there, there's a lineage to wrestling. Like there's all yeah. we're always like second and third generations. But I'm like, it's like those names will never leave the sport. Yeah, yeah. It's like every every Samoan in wrestling is related yep. somehow. <laughs> it's just yeah. insane. We watched Roman Reigns, and I'm like, oh yeah, like it's uh, yeah. I remember Yokozuna. It was yeah. there. <laughs> like they're related. I'm like, oh okay. Fan- yeah. She's like, who? I'm like, you know, the big, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> he was Japanese in wrestling, but he was Samoan in real yeah. life. You know, like- <laughs> there, was, there was one episode, I think it was Raw, that I watched where he started speaking in pretty decent English. Yeah. And like, I'm like, oh, that's the only time. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that's why you have a manager here. So you can yeah, pretend. Yeah, Mr. Uh, Mr. Fuji. Mr. Fuji. That's why, like, <laughs> so you can pretend that you're Japanese a little bit longer. Yeah. Can you do that anymore? Um no, I'm gonna the, the short answer is no. Yeah. Uh but WWE, they're still kind of like behind a little bit in the times. <laughs> okay. Like like I always say, I always say like woke culture hasn't really reached pro wrestling yet. Right. Like it's it's there, it's there like kind of like under you know everything, but there's still like a lot of like you know, racism, like like in, in angles and like storylines and stuff. It's just like it's insane. There's, I mean, the most progressive thing they've done is they've highlighted the women a little bit more. They don't use the woman as like, oh, hey, these are, you know, we're going to do the bra and panties match or yeah. the fucking, you know, mud wrestling match or, you know, like they, they actually do appreciate women in wrestling now because women have proven like, you know, hey, like we can do, you know, all the cool shit that the men do and put on some fucking great matches too. I mean, like that, that's another reason why wrestling now I think is is better now than it was back in the day because of stuff just like small stuff like that. Like women's wrestling is fucking awesome. <laughs> I love it. My girlfriend was like, "Yo, you got to watch these people." And I'm like, she showed me a lot of the women, and I'm like, "Fuck you," because <laughs> your generation, or I guess I'm her age, but I'm like, yeah. you guys have like Alexa Bliss, and yeah, Charlotte these, Flair, all these beautiful women. We had Rock and Robin, who was like <laughs> fine, but yeah. like. That was it. Like we and uh, Rocket and uh, Olga from uh, the Oddities. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, we had nothing. We had scraps. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, all right. I mean, we had Miss Elizabeth was manager. Uh, yeah. And that was great. But like, we didn't have like a, a feature match of like. I mean, it was awful. So yeah. Yeah, I, I would imagine that you spread that wealth out a little bit more. You're gonna get more more women and more guys paying attention. So yeah, it makes complete yeah, for sense. Sure. So, I mean, what, I mean, we talked a lot about wrestling. Are, are yeah, you able dude, I'm to, sorry. <laughs> no, you're fine. You're fine. I'm fine. I'm fine with it. But are you able to incorporate any of that wrestling stuff on stage? The big thing for me is uh, for wrestlers, like their whole thing is like being like larger than life sort of characters. You know what I mean? Like playing to, you know, a big audience, even if it's not that big of an audience. And I mean, right there, that's perfect. Like that translates so well to stand up, you know, treating, um, you know, the smaller audience, like they were like a big audience, you know what I mean? Like if you treat an audience of two, like they're an audience of like 200, it's going to be a great show regardless yeah. of, you know, anything. Like if you can make those two people laugh or whatever, and like, even if the show is dog shit, like the fact that you're making the only, only audience in that room, like, and have a good time or whatever, 
like it, it proves that you're like you're good you're a good performer you're a good enough performer that you can draw that and uh for wrestling i mean it, it translates very well i mean even a lot of these big guys in wrestling that started out you know they started out in like vfws and like fire halls and stuff performing in front of small crowds and it's literally the same as stand-up you know what i mean like you're you're in a lot of the same spots like vfws fire halls performing in front of audiences that you know they just don't give a shit about you they're just there just to see like a live sh- you know show or whatever sometimes they don't enjoy it sometimes they do enjoy it it's whatever um you're on the road a lot as a comic and as a wrestler especially when you're like starting out and i guess even even when you're hit the big times too because there's a lot of travel with that so yeah there's there's definitely like a lot of parallels and a lot of a lot of things you can draw from, you know, pro wrestling into stand up from a performance angle, of course, not, you know, I'm not saying go up on stage and, you know, try and rock bottom and stone cold stutter, <laughs> you know, the host or whatever. <laughs> oh, Although uh, if somebody yeah. doesn't have a great set, it's frustrating to you. That might be a way to convince them to oh, kind of leave the business. I would love to like add an open mic because I host open mic too. I would love to, after someone has like a shitty set, just go up on stage and just choke slam them to like, you know, the ground or whatever. <laughs> like that would be so much fun. I would honestly love to do a show like that. Maybe if they run you the super light. Super kick somebody. Yeah. Yeah. If they yeah, run yeah. the light, you super kick them. Like, yeah. Because yeah. that mistake happens once. Yeah. Yeah. And it'll never happen. No one else that night will run the light. <laughs> right, right. And you don't know how to do a super kick without hurting them. So it's a game. Yeah. Yeah, well, I do know how to do a super kick without oh, hurting them. So, did, Mike, I'm gonna need you to <laughs> chill out there, okay? Did you learn that at juggling school? Yeah, yeah, that's the first thing they teach you <laughs> is how to is how to give and take a super kick because <laughs> they know it's like as a juggler, you're probably gonna get this a lot. So, <laughs> <laughs> do you remember the worst set you've ever had or the worst show? Uh, yeah, actually, um, it was early on into doing stand up. I was maybe like two or three years in. And, um, you know, of course at that time you're the most confident you are. You're just like, Oh, I could fucking perform in front of any crowd. Give me a crowd or whatever. Uh, there was this instance where I was opening for a comic who he tours like, um, locally, he's like a headliner, but like he, he tours like, you know, the East coast or whatever. I was on a show that he had, it was in a, it wasn't a VFW. It was a, uh, it was a hunters and anglers club out in like Middletown, Pennsylvania big room lots of people it was like over like 150 or something like that it was the biggest crowd like i had ever like performed in front of so like you know of course i was super nervous i remember i went up second and the pa system that they had was awful like it didn't work very well for the host and you know the dude that did 10 minutes up front and uh, like it kept cutting out and he kept having issues with the audience hearing him and the audience they like you know they didn't care that there was a show going on like they were just kind of like in their own world it was just like you know a mixture of all these things that just made for awful experience like i remember he uh called me up on stage and i went up and i started doing my set the first like three minutes of my set was it was awesome uh like it went as good as it could have gone in that room but the rest of that set it was just not good like it was it was so bad that I was like finishing my set and I, you know, I was like, oh, okay, I'll do one more joke and then I'll get out of here. And I remember there was a guy in the front who, as soon as I said that he started clapping uh, <laughs> and I was like, damn, dude, I was like, you really didn't like me that much. Like, uh, I ended up, I remember, I think in spite of that, because I was so stubborn at the time, I was like, you know what? I'm going to do fucking three more minutes than I was going to. Uh, but I ended up doing a little bit extra time just because I was so mad. But then that headliner, it was, it, it's something that still, still kind of sticks with me to this day because he watched my set. And as soon as I got off stage, he didn't give me like advice or anything. He was just sort of like, watch me, you know what I mean? Like oh, watch, yeah. like check, like check me out. You know what I mean? Like uh, sort of like bragging a little bit where he was just like, I'm going to do way better than you or whatever. Or that's at least how I took it. Like, you know. And of course he went out and just fucking destroyed. And it was like, well, you know, these people came to see you. They didn't come to see, you know, five, you know, local guys in front of you. You know what I mean? But yeah, that was probably like the worst that's ever happened to me. I mean, I've had, I've had a lot of, of weird, um, not necessarily bombing uh, sets, but like sets where they incited things from an audience that like, I was completely not expecting, Um, you know, (laughs) um, 
not to give too many details about it because it's still kind of fresh, but uh, I did a set at an open mic where I did a joke and it was kind of um, inadvertently about another comic because me and that other comic, we were kind of, you know, beefing, so to speak, yeah. at the time. And he, he, you know, he had said some things and done some things that I was really appreciative of. But, you know, I'm a comic, so what I'm going to do about it is I'll just write a joke about it. And uh, I wrote a joke about it and I told the joke and it, it did really well. But then he went up and uh, <laughs> uh, just shortly after me and uh, he, uh, he, he basically threatened to beat my ass like throughout <laughs> his entire set. Like it was completely directed at me to the point where he was calling me out by name, like saying like, I'm going to fucking, you know, I catch you outside and we're going to fucking fight. Like, I'm going to beat the shit out of you. Like, this, that. And I was like, oh, my God, this is the craziest thing that ever happened. But, yeah, stuff like that, you know, uh, that's happened to me. Uh, I've never gotten slapped on stage, so I can, I can at least say that. Yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I've gotten close. I, I know I've gotten close. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, it's uh, stand-up is fun. It's, <laughs> even when you bomb, even when you, even when you get a reaction, you know, like, uh, I want to beat your ass, it makes it fun. It breaks the monotony a little bit, you know. And you're sure he didn't just have a different Manny Santiago in mind? Oh, I'm 100% sure. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Especially because afterwards, there was a lot more words that were said to me, about me. It was a fun night. It was a fun night. We had an incident in Binghamton not too long ago, maybe three or four months by now. But we had a comedian from out of town tried to do racy material. And yeah. racy, racist, either one. And yeah. he's really new. Maybe like four months in, five months in, not awesome, but <laughs> at the same time, you shouldn't be awesome at four or five months in. Yeah. He's trying something. And this audience member yelled, no, not having it. No. <laughs> you want to step out? And he said, you want to step outside? The comedian stopped his set, walked off like he was like sullen. Like he's like, oh no, hadn't seen him since. Oh my God. And it's like, part of me feels bad for him because he's a He's a nice guy. Yeah. But also, if he had it coming, sort of. If you can't, right. If you're going to go up with material that is on the line or across yeah. it or whatever you're approaching, you have to be prepared for a little bit of a pushback. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of like newer comics like think like that too. It's like, oh, if I just go up and say like crazy, like wild, racist, like shit, like it'll laugh, I'll get a laugh or whatever, or I'll be that edgy guy, you know what I mean? That everyone's talking about later or whatever. But uh, no, it doesn't always go like that. No, and I I find almost nobody more annoying than that guy who's living on the edge. Yeah. Just tell a funny joke. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't have to be like a fucking, you know, edgy, you know, like racist, incest, rape joke or whatever. Like, you don't have to do that. You can get a laugh just doing like, like I do jokes about juggling, you know what I mean? That aren't like, you know, sexual or anything. You know what I mean? Uh, Although I would kind of like to hear a sexual juggling joke i mean it's right there dude it's the easiest <laughs> one to do <laughs> like it's <laughs> now, can you everyone a, does it can you give me a racist juggling joke well see that's a little bit harder <laughs> <laughs> just up the, the degree of difficulty yeah yeah <laughs> no I, I think i think that's i mean you go through it you learn and yeah. i know if i go back i mean i've done racist jokes and racial jokes mm. maybe somebody mm. would say they're racist but like you just and you learn. You're like, oh wait, no, that wouldn't fly now. And I'm a better writer than I was now. Like I was leaning yeah. too heavily on the incest material. And like, yeah, at the start, you're you're learning what you're learning how to write a joke. And yeah, yeah, that's what, what I love about like open mics too. Is yeah. like seeing like people like that. That you know they think that's the way to do it is to do the edgy you know sort of material. And then they find out real quick like, oh, that's not the material I should be doing. And like that's how you can really tell like if it's something that they actually want to do or if they're just doing it, you know what I mean? Like if they, if they come back with like different material, then you're like, Oh, okay. This person is actually trying to like do better. Like, like I feel like nowadays, like people don't really let people fail like that anymore. Do you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. immediately like, Oh, you said this thing. So you're a racist, you're a bigot, you're this, you're that, you know what I mean? It's like, well, no, let, let this person fail and let that person learn from that failure to become like a better person in the long run. You know what I mean? Like, don't just immediately like, okay, well, this is what you said. I think that's me getting a little bit, uh, no. you know, counter counterculture or whatever. No, but I, I think, I think you're exactly right. Because every open mic has that person who just won't get it or doesn't yeah. want to get it. 
but like everybody is on a different track mm-hmm. and like we're not all going to say okay well well if you and i start the same day by year one we're going to be the same comedian no yeah, yeah you might be a little ahead of me on this i might be a little ahead of you on that we all learn differently you know yeah some people don't come every week some people only do it once a month so like we're all on different paths so like if he or she doesn't get it right away okay i think you have to be patient especially if you're an open mic host like i don't know if you've ever had this happen but like I've had people come up to me and like, can you ban him from the mic? I'm like, no. Oh yeah. Because if I were to do that, who say I couldn't ban everybody for anything I don't like? Like, yeah, I could have been banned too. So like, yeah. no, you, you, if he puts in the work and he gets it, he'll be fine. But you have yeah, to allow, let him learn. Like, like this is a space we have so somebody can learn. And I think that there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I think people forget that too. Like comics that like frequent a lot of the same open mics, you know what I mean? They'll hear some someone say something that they don't agree with or they don't like or whatever, and immediately they'll say like, "Yeah, get this guy out of here!" Like, give him the light or get him off stage or whatever. It's like, no, let this guy, let this person fail, let this person learn from that failure. You gotta, you know what I mean? Because we all started at the same, you know, level. You know what I mean? Where I skateboard. It's like learning how to skateboard, you know what I mean? You fall a lot, you know, and, and it hurts when you fall. And, you know, you learn to, like, pick yourself back up and then, like, okay, what did I do wrong here? And let me fix that so that next time, like, I don't fall or don't fail, you know what I mean? So it's like, I don't know, you got, like, that's one of the big things I hate about people in general nowadays is, like, they don't let people the opportunity to, to fail and learn from that failure. And it, it sucks, especially in open mics. Like, I feel like, you know, especially with comedy, like, you should be able to... Look, let people do that. You know what I mean? If you're lucky, 50% of the material you use at that open mic, 50% of the new stuff will work. If yeah. you're fucking lucky. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I, I have a really short fuse with people who are just very impatient with how somebody else is working. I'm like, no, like they're yeah. not for you and they might never be for you. But like, yeah. I'm also under the impression that like, or the mindset rather that if you let this guy work out some stuff and he still doesn't get a response after six months, maybe he'll quit. Yeah. And maybe that's a better a scenario. Like it's a better yeah. ending for you because you're never going to have to run into him ever again. Isn't that better? Yeah. 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 I think, I think, yeah, that like, that's the easiest way to deal with something like that is to just let them keep showing up. And if they still haven't learned, like after the, you know, 40th bomb that they've had on stage right. like that, Hey, maybe I should change up what I'm saying then, you know, that's either that's on them. And, and I think for the most part, you know, like, unless they're like a straight up, like masochist that loves like going up on stage and just bombing all the time. If they're not that eventually you'll weed them out and it'll be like, Oh yeah. You remember that guy that came out and had that joke about, you know, bowling balls being, uh, it was, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm going into a, <laughs> a uh, there was a, I did a mic at a restaurant a long time ago called uh, it was a Angie's restaurant, uh, like outside of Harrisburg. And uh, there was this guy who went up on stage and he told this joke about how uh, black bowling balls are uh, eggs for black people. Um, <laughs> and um, it, it went exactly how you right. would think it would go. And that's a guy that we haven't seen since then. So, <laughs> you know, sometimes it works out. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they just, just leave on their own. I've been doing comedy in Binghamton for six years. And I, as far as like the regulars, I'm like one of two remaining. Yeah. And everybody yeah. is either moved or quit or they're just yep. dormant. And yeah. it's like, all right, well, I'm here. Like I've seen 30 people come and go and you just have to be patient and just wait them out. And yeah, I mean, yeah, that happened with me and Mike at the comedy zone where we're, it's me and him and maybe like one or two other guys that have been there since like, you know, for like 10 years, basically, you know what I mean? Our claim to fame is uh, we were there when Shane Gillis was coming to rise <laughs> to power or whatever. Um, and we always say that's like, oh, yeah, I knew Shane when, you know, we were going to open mics together and, and this, that. Uh, and now he's doing all this cool shit and we're still here. So <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, like, the other end of that is, huh, what happened? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so if somebody um, comes to you for advice, what do you give them? Like, I'm a year in and like, man, how do I figure this out? How do I get to where you are? I mean, I know it's like a, it's sort of like a cop out answer, but like, I would always say, just keep doing open mics, man. Just keep, you know what I mean? Just keep trying, keep trying new stuff, you know, learn from your mistakes, you know what I mean? Um, and just like, like I said earlier, like, you know, try and get the crowd to like you. Don't worry about having the funniest material. If you're a personable enough person, 
like an audience will like you, you know what I'm saying? Like an audience will laugh at the stuff that you're saying, but that also comes with time. Like, you know, you have to get those reps in or whatever. So just keep going out, keep doing open mics, go to different open mics, even, you know, um, yeah. Try like, you know, jokes out at your local mic and then take the jokes that worked at that local mic, go to a different mic and do those jokes again. Like that's one of my favorite things to do is like go to different mics and do jokes that, like I've been working on for a lot longer than just doing like a new joke at like a different open mic and seeing how those old jokes go like in front of a different audience. Like that helps you a lot too. It's all it is, man. It's all, it's all getting up on stage as much as you can and just learning and just being self-aware enough to like, you know, be like, okay, well, I told this joke and that joke didn't work and this joke didn't work. This joke kind of works. So maybe I'll work on that a little bit more, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a, I know it's a weighted answer, but, you know. I think an underrated part of that advice where just do the stuff that works at a different open mic. Also, you want to yeah. create a good impression for yourself. So yeah. If, you're, if yeah. you're bringing stuff that you know is going to work, well, they'll remember your name. And if they're looking for somebody on a show from outside of the area, maybe they'll remember you. They'll be like, oh, yeah, that guy did this mic. And he, I mean, I've, I've booked shows like that where I've seen a guy at an open mic and I'm like, damn, dude, I want to get that guy on a show. Yeah. I know it would be a good show, you know. Um, and it's happened too, where it's like, you know, I saw someone at a mic and I'm like, damn, I'll, I'll book him on a show, you know? Yeah. And I tell people all the time, I'm like go out of town because I'm one person and mm-hmm. I book shows, but I'm one person. So if you go to another, if you go to Harrisburg, you're going to yeah. see somebody else who books a show and then your options open up. So yeah. like, you're not dependent on one person to give you work. Now you've got yeah. three or four in your pocket who you can say, well, Mike's not booking me. Maybe Manny will book me. So something like, yeah, yeah, exactly. This is a lot of fun, and uh, I appreciate you stopping the car. And <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, how can people follow along with you on social media? I know you got the two podcasts. Yeah, I mean, I always just follow my Instagram. That's where I post like shows and and like whatever I'm up to. That's uh, at E Manny. That's uh, E M four N N Y. It's pretty easy. Um, but yeah, that's uh, and then False Count Anywhere is my wrestling podcast. We have an Instagram for that at FCA pod. And then of course, a boy in his fridge um, at a boy in his fridge on Instagram. But yeah, that's, I mean, I could go through a list of all the shows I'm doing, but I don't know. I don't want to take up too much more of your time. Either. Uh, so just follow I, me. Follow me. I am so popular. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, just follow me on, on the social medias, find out what I'm doing, where I'm going. It's been mostly, you know, South Central PA, uh, Maryland-ish uh, yeah. for the time being. But I'm hoping to try and get out more and, and, and expand a little bit more. That's always been a, a, an issue of mine is like not like, like I'm, I'm confident in my ability to do stand up. You know what I mean? Like I know I can like now, like I know I can go up in front of any crowd and like make them laugh. It's just all the other stuff that comes with stand up that I have trouble with, like, you know, reaching out to bookers and, you know, um, getting, I, it's so, I mean, oh my God, it just hurts sometimes. You know what I mean? When you you put all this time and getting, you know, you got a bio together, you got video, you got headshots, you got all this and you're sending it out wherever you can and you get like nothing back. Yep. Um, you know, you get a response. It's like, oh yeah, check back in like eight months. And it's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> But anyways, just support me. Just follow my social media. <laughs> That's the easiest way to do it. <laughs> Dude, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. This is fun. No problem. Maybe one day we'll watch wrestling together. Hell yeah, dude. I would love to. All right. I'll pick the year. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. 1984. <laughs> All right, man. Well, thank you so much. I'll talk to you in a bit. All right, buddy. Wait outside your bedroom I, I hope they let me in